Hey everybody, welcome to the Under Construction Podcast. Thanks for joining us today as I talk to my guests about what it means to grow their career and how they define success. This is an experiment in helping us all to understand that while we may share things in common, we also have a lot of differences when it comes to both our careers and our definitions of success. Enjoy this episode. Hey everyone, welcome to the Under Construction Podcast. Today, my guest is Ray Bame. Ray, how are you doing? I'm doing peachy, John. I'm Just, happy to hear that. No, I'm doing real well. Um, things are well. A little bit hot, but uh, we're going to get through it. Yeah, so uh, for those uh, that are not listening to this immediately after we recorded it, it's the middle of summertime in St. Louis, so heat indexes and humidity are way up. Obviously, making sure that uh, we take care of all of our people and make them aware of the hazards of the heat. So, Ray, I appreciate you being inside on this one. Uh, I'm sure you appreciate being inside as well, not being out there sweltering in the heat. Oh, brother. Rest water and shade. That's right. So, uh, for folks that don't know you, Ray, uh, what is it that you do and which company do you work for? It's a great question. I'm sure there's millions of people that are out there that are wondering the same thing. Um, technically, my, my title is Senior Vice President of Risk Management, um, and I basically handle all the insurance and, uh, you know, not necessarily handle insurance, but help to manage the insurance program and then the occupational safety and health activities of, of my team. Gotcha. So that's uh, across the Keeley company. So you split uh, your time with all the different entities. How is it that you came to be interested in being in safety, Ray? Is this something you started in school or did you pivot down your career path? You know, it, it, I talk to a lot of guys that tell me that, you know, they had some kind of a aha moment that, that you know, that that's why they chose to get into the occupational safety field. But you know, when I was younger, I was a policeman and I realized um, pretty much early on in that career path that it's not what I wanted to do. But I knew that I wanted to do some type of, you know, probably public service. Um, and so I, I quit the police department and had an opportunity to go back to school. And I went back to Central Missouri State University, which is kind of funny because things happen for a reason, I guess. And um, when I was on the police department, I used to play rugby with um, a group called the Falcons in St. Louis. And there was a guy by the name of Pat Luck who was going to Central Missouri State. And him and I kind of became good friends. And he um, kind of didn't talk me into it, but he kind of opened the way for me to get to CMSU in, in a path that that's where I wanted to enroll in. I had no idea that, uh, you know, what occupational safety was at the time. And when I got to Warrensburg, um, we, you know, I, I met just as the, you know, the greatest people in the world and still my best friends to this day. And they were all in what they called then the School of Public Services. And I remember when I first started, I wanted to be a history major because I was thinking about going to law school. And then I got into kind of the occupational um, end of it, kind of in a just as a test, you know, I took a couple of classes just to see if I liked it. And it turns out that I kind of fell in love with it. And um, so I got my degree in industrial safety and fire science. And 
the um, you know uh, back then that was in 19 gosh I graduated in December of 1980 and um, there were no jobs and the only people that were you know the only what insurance companies were looking for at the time for loss control because that, generally that's where either you went to the oil fields or you went to um, the insurance industry and at the time they all looked for engineers and I was like I wish somebody would have told me that when I was you know going through this thing and it took me a while but I knew that I wanted to get into occupational safety and health and I was very fortunate you know again the people that you know along the way that helped to, to kind of pave your your career path um, a gentleman by the name of Charlie Wittenberg um, opened me up to an opportunity at what was then called the Fireman's Fund Insurance Company um, as a commercial property and casualty underwriter and you know I interviewed got the job and it, it was a desk job and that's the last thing in the world that, that I wanted it was like watching paint dry <laughs> and the, but in the insurance field, that's what everybody wanted to do, is to move into being an underwriter. And I wanted to move out of being an underwriter and get into loss control and, and occupational safety. And, you know, so that didn't happen. I got wound up getting transferred up to um, Davenport, Iowa. And I remember that uh, when that happened, I'd been at it for a couple of years and I knew that I my degree was in occupational safety and health, and that's what I wanted to do. And again, things happen for a reason, I guess, but I came home one weekend, in fact, it was Memorial Day weekend, and um, my mom, it, and God love her, she's still alive, she's 90 years old, was uh, used to, to save the one ads for me in the old post-dispatch, and I would venture to say that most young kids today didn't even know there were such a thing as one ads in the, in the paper. Hell, half of them don't even know what the paper is. Uh, but we had a um, there was a there was a a, um, a one ad and it was a it was I believe it, it said safety inspector, 80 percent travel company car and had a phone number on it. I thought that's got me written all over it. So I wound up calling up the number and they arranged for a uh, an interview like the Monday after Memorial Day weekend or the Tuesday after Memorial Day weekend. And it was with a company called Western Waterproofing. And I wound up meeting probably the greatest boss and probably the wisest guy that I've ever known in the safety business. His name was Bob Pritchard. And um, I got the job. And it was really cool because, I mean, coming from a family of 10, we didn't travel very much. Um, you know, my mom and dad were, you know, they worked hard all their lives, but, you know, we were pretty much homebodies because dad was always working. And, um, this gave me the opportunity literally to travel to every major city in the country. And I did it for, you know, close to 10 years. But what I also got along, what I learned along that was really to get a good basis of education in the occupational safety and health field. And that was the thing that, that Bob Pritchard, you know, it, I always tell people that he imparted three things on me when I sat in his office on my first day. He told me, he said, um, um, if you're going to work for me, you're going to go to school, you're going to stay out of jail and you're not going to mess with the health. And I kind of follow that simple philosophy with my team today, believe it or not. But going to school, I'm on, uh, you know, I immediately went back to graduate school. Um, that was funded by, you know, a part of my career growth with Western. And, you know, along the lines of, uh, so I wound up getting a master's degree in safety management. But I knew then, I mean, I loved the job that I had. I thought that it was the, it, to me, it, it was exactly what I wanted to do. I love dealing with people. And I love helping to solve problems, particularly 
when you start to think of, of things that wind up hurting people. And I got with Bob is kind of at that helm. He really kind of gave me a good basis and really what the, the process of being safe is, not just the, the compliance piece of it. It's really a people business and it's building relationships and, and helping people to be successful. And, you know, so again, from a career path standpoint, I, um, um, I chose the field really because it was really a passion of mine to just work with folks. And along the way, you know, up until heck today is, is that I've never looked back. I've been involved in construction safety literally since I got first started in the safety business. And I really have never, you know, ventured too far away. I had a lot of variance in the types of construction work that I was involved in. I mean, you know, and to make a long story even longer, I guess, is that I love after Terry and I started having kids and being gone from Monday through Friday, that just wasn't conducive to raising a family. And um, so I took the one job that came about, which was to become the safety director at St. Louis Children's Hospital. Now, that's not construction related and it only lasted a year, but that was where I really got my teeth cut on developing written programs and really working with management in terms of trying to convince them that these programs were vital. And, you know, again, great things. I had a great boss. Her name was Julie Motion Ross, and she really helped me along the way in terms of of developing the, the first written safety program that the St. Louis Children's Hospital have ever had. And but it wasn't for me. And so I, I wound up moving on to the traveler's insurance. And because of my background in construction, they were looking for somebody that, that had a construction background. And um, I did, and particularly in scaffolding, which was really a huge area for me at the time and with travelers, because they really didn't have a lot of people that had that specialty. So I went to work for them and very quickly, I don't know, I kind of got rose and risen up the ranks, but then got uh, hired away about a year and a half later um, from a company called Willis Caroon. And Willis Caroon was an insurance brokerage house. And again, it, it, it was all construction related. And, and in 1992, there was the U.S. Olympic Festival that they had in St. Louis, which was, again, this was this opened me up to, I mean, the rest of my career as far as I'm concerned, because it, it really changed the way that I looked at a lot of things. And there was a guy by the name of Pat Cantwell who, you know, Pat was a guy that was with, um, I think it was, no, I can't remember the name of the broker that he was with, but it wasn't the brokerage company that I was working for. And But anyway, we made a deal and... Um, he, I had known, I grew up with Pat, um, you know, as a kid, we've known each other forever. And he was the, he provided the insurance for the uh, St. Louis Sports Commission. And they were putting on the Olympic Festival, so he was providing the insurance. Well, there's a guy by the name of Jack Wiener who was hired to develop and produce the Olympic Festival um, for the Sports Commission. And, um, Jack was in San Antonio the year prior, so this was probably 91, maybe late 92, probably more like 93 for me. I, I can't remember that far back, but um, there was a guy there, uh, one of the, the um, folks that helped manage the Olympic Festival in San Antonio fell through a guardrail and was severely injured. And Jack was down there at the time, and he said, this isn't going to happen on my watch. So he told Pat to go find him a safety guy. And 
I'll never forget Pat came to me. We had breakfast and he says, would you be interested in this? And I was like, heck yeah, man, let's go. Uh, this is exactly what I wanted to do was to get into kind of the sports arena and, and help to build something. Because, again, with a construction background, that was all going to be um, something that I can contribute to the success of it. And um, so Pat got me a, an audience with Jack Wiener and his CFO at the time. And I can't remember his name. And then his operating his his operations manager. And Pat, I'll never forget it. He gave me 15 minutes on a Saturday morning in the middle of October. And um, that 15 minute meeting that started at eight o'clock wound up at, ending at about 1130. And at the end of it, he told his his, uh, you know, his his chief operating officer and the CFO is, is that you dot line him straight to me or straight line him straight to me and give him access to everything he needs. And because that was that was literally the start of getting involved in in extreme sport. Well, the good thing was, is that we had 40, 42 different venues in St. Louis and they were all spread all over St. Louis, St. Louis County um, in southern Illinois. And we had zero occupational injuries. We also had zero um, guest injuries, um, which those are, you know, those were kind of anticipated and accepted um, back in the day. But we were at zero with it. And. So Jack, at the end of it, was hired by ESPN to develop and produce what was then called the Extreme Games. And, you know, and he told everybody that if I can take you with us, I will. And at that point in time, I was getting really, really dissatisfied with where I was at um, in the insurance market. And I made the decision to go off on my own, my own consulting business. Well, Jack, you know, immediately him and Pat worked with me and, and you know, I became basically the safety director for um, ESPN's X, Extreme Game series, and um, that turned into an organization called EOE, which is an ESPN Original Entertainment, which was responsible for any kind of a build where they would go out and build a venue, conduct an event, and then tear the venue out. And um, I was the guy, and I did that for, gosh, up until the time that I came to work full-time at, at Keeley. But again, the interesting, what I thought, you know, you always remember the really, really good times. It was absolutely the most fantastic people in the world to deal with. And the one thing that I learned um, really working with with Jack was that it's all about leadership and it's all about putting faith in people and allowing them to to be able to execute their mission and and just help them and assist them in helping to become successful. And I can tell you, John, that in the the 15, 16 years that I did that, I had one injury and it was in Philadelphia and it was a guy that hurt his back. Other than that, we went 15 years with, with absolutely zero recordables. And, you know, we went from a team of probably about 20 people over the course between the events, you know, up to having almost 1200 people in site on site in, you know, in a seven day period. And then you would conduct the event and then you would tear it out and then you'd everybody go home. And um, so we wound up going international with it. And I wound up, you know, again, here I am with, uh, you know, not wanting to travel full time, but now I'm traveling around the world and doing, you know, 30 day gigs, um, you know, in places like Dubai, Kuala Lumpur, Rio de Janeiro, Singapore, um, Shanghai, um, Seoul, you know, you name it, it's, we've been there. Um, and just it was just an amazing experience. And over that course of time, you know, again, as you're getting older and you start to kind of read the writing on the wall, um, that 
you know, I didn't, I was kind of getting burned out on it and I really didn't have a, a key seat replacement to it. And they, they were becoming more and more um, bringing everything in-house into ESPN. And, you know, so, but in the same time over the course, since I had started my business, which was back in 92, is that there was a lady by the name of Tracy Keeley that went to the OSHA 30 hour that we used to, I used to teach him over at COCA in Illinois, which is a council of owners and construction associates, Southern Illinois. I did their 30 hours for gosh, John and I did them for probably 20 years. And Tracy was one of our first contacts and she asked me to come and help, you know, with them over at Keeley developing their safety program. And that's when I met Larry. It's when I met, well, Mike came around shortly thereafter. Um, and Tracy and Mike and Larry and I became very fast friends. And we, I helped them develop their program. And Mike came to me in 2007 and literally kind of laid it on the table. This is a day uh, they're adopting strategic planning and they needed somebody to run the risk quadrant of the strategic plan. And it was either going to be me or I had to help them find somebody who would do it. And so I said, well, I'll, I'll help you find somebody that will do it. And I went home and I told my wife, Terry, that. And she said, I thought she was going to hit me over the head with a two by four. She goes, are you crazy? <laughs> she goes, this is the th this is the word exactly what you've always wanted to do. And it did turn out that, uh, you know, I mean, I took the left uh, being that independent guy doing, you know, large events and um, basically going out and being a construction supervisor for those and, you know, and came over to Keeley and started uh you know the uh, developing what i would consider as you know this culture of 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 being safe and, and helping people be successful so what so. is it about the keely companies that attracted you to be willing to give up that uh that solopreneur mindset and join this team well you know that's a great question um sometimes i wonder no um what I would tell you is, is that it was the relationship that I had with, with Mike and with Tracy and with Larry. I mean, they're the ones that really sold me on it. Um, I, you know, and the other thing, too, is that I've been dealing with 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 the Keeley company. Gosh, since probably 1992. And so this is 2007. And so in between trips and gigs and, you know, being on the open road and doing um, extreme events, it was you know, I'd come back to St. Louis and I still handled all of the safety for um, a lot of small contractors in, in St. Louis. Um, and I it was always such a great thing to go deal with the Keeley company. I mean, that back in the day when, you know, you had Ken Beer was around and you had, um, you know, Kova when he first started in his career. And then you had, you know, Rick Rogers and the Rogers family involved in it. And it was just a really good place to go do safety education stuff and and you know there i remember back in the day we used to do the safety meetings upstairs at the old sauger office in the second floor conference room and we would literally get the entire company inside of that room and it wasn't that big but the thing was is that everybody participated i mean there was questions that were asked and then that kind of led to some uh, you know a little bit of relationship building with the guys that that were in the field you know, and, you know, and then guys came on like Mark Musser, you know, he joined the company at Chad Agney who came in, you know, and so as the company was growing, it was kind of cool because I was kind of always involved in a lot of that, the, of the occupational safety end of it and spending a lot of time with Tracy and Mike, 
was always just that, you know, it was always fun. And so I would say that it was them that kind of sold me on the deal, if there was such a thing. But I think that the real issue is once I got here was is that it's really all about the people. And, you know, they're, you know, I, I, I don't think that there's, if it wouldn't be for the ability to develop those relationships and have those relationships with the folks in the field is that there would be no other reason really to stick around. Um, because I think that our guys and, and gals that are out in the field are the greatest in the world. I love it. Um, you know, you've had an incredible career. It's interesting. You know, you started in law enforcement, which is very much compliance based. And then you mentioned, you know, Hey, I wanted to get into the occupational uh, side, but didn't want to be involved in the compliance. So, uh, if you could explain to people who may not be familiar with uh, risk management or, or occupational health and safety, what's the difference and what do you espouse as opposed to compliance mindset? Well, it's a great question. you got great questions, doctor. Thank you very much. The, the way that I would explain that is, is that when, and again, that's probably one of the things that our, our careers in, in occupational safety and health is that I have a, a lot of disagreement with the way that some people look at occupational safety and health. And compliance is, to me, it's a lot like getting a D on your report card. It means that you've done what you need to do, but there's a whole lot of better things that are out there. And when I start to look at, at my team in particular and the way that I look at occupational safety and health within the Keeley companies, as well as I look at it at any other person that I'd ever want to sit down and buy me a couple beers and talk about is that, that people have a right to be successful, right? And our mission should be to allow them to be able to, to be successful with the least opportunity for error that we can create. And, you know, and a lot of that is, is, is being in a learning environment and, and continually learning from, from our errors because everybody's going to fail at some point in time. You know, the question is, is that how big of a failure is it going to be? And, you know, and I, I try to get across to, to folks is that, you know, the, the, one of the things that I think is so incredibly great about this safety program is the ability to empower people to make decisions. And I always, you know, when, when I do classes and I, and I try to communicate to, to folks that, that you manage the systems that you create. And every one of our folks, everybody in this company, it doesn't matter, you know, if you're rusty sitting at the top, you know, and anybody else all the way, all along the lines of, 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 of employment, is, is that everybody creates their own systems. And when you create those systems, you've got to be able to to create a system that's tolerant of mistakes. And there's again, there's two types of mistakes or two types of errors, if you will, is, is that there's a mistake, again, lack of knowledge, or there's an intentional deviation from an expected norm. And so the systems that we create, we have to be able to tolerate all of that. And I think that when you look at, at the ability to learn is that you have to be able to learn from everything. And, you know, traditionally companies will will just absolutely have, you know, a conniption fits when somebody winds up getting hurt. And we do that. But the good thing about it is it doesn't happen very often. The question is why? 
You know, and, and when you start to look at it is, is that I think it's because of the empowerment piece that allows people to to think through and gives them the ability to really understand how to perform the task that they, they're challenged with. And that empowerment piece, I just think, is such an incredibly important, um, I don't even call it a benefit, I'll call it a right to be able to make the right decisions. Um, so, you know, I, I, when I look at the over the, the years in, in of growth in, in this industry is that, you know, a lot of companies place a lot of emphasis on um, punishing the guilty. And you see that a lot when you, you on some projects where, you know, you have a hiccup and, you know, they come down on you with a ton of bricks and they want to, you know, we've got to find who's at fault here and we got to punish those people that are guilty and blah, blah, blah. And that to me is just not what the way that I work. I mean, I think that when we have mistakes, we need to learn from them and we need to teach our folks that as a result of this. And again, these things should be not only when an error occurs, but when no error occurs. Why are we, you know, again, looking at what we did right versus what we did wrong and then Absolutely. minimizing and, and trying to figure out, you know, the human factors piece and then the organizational piece and make sure that what we're doing is is learning so that we can institute change to really avoid the ability to, to have these same types of mistakes in the future. That's why I, I, when I look at when I look at occupational safety and health, I always get hung up on the word safety. And when you start to look at, at human and organizational performance or, you know, HPI, human performance improvement initiatives, all those kinds of things that, that we're trying to put words at, it's really about decision making. And it's about having the information to be able to make an informed decision based on what's being presented to you. And so me, to me, that's a continually learning environment. And, you know, I always have a bunch of isms and I'll probably throw a bunch of those out here, you know, as we're going through this is that we train dogs and we educate people. And if I'm training you to be safe, I can teach a monkey to move a widget, right? You can teach a dog to salivate. You can teach all that's training. But, and to me, that's, that's compliance. And when I start to think about education though, that's enlightenment. And that allows a guy to really become understanding and how integral a process is in order to be able to reduce the opportunity for some type of error. And, you know, we, we get into a lot of different, we can talk about a lot of different theories and philosophies and the ways that people work. But the thing I, I keep getting back to is, is that everybody has a right to get home to their family. And our mission is to really allow them to be able to do that successfully. And so to me, it's, 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 uh, a continually education learning environment that that we have to be able to leave behind. And if we're doing anything short of empowering people to, to do that, then shame on us. So if you look at the last five years, um, you know, in this kind of continuous improvement or continuous learning initiative that you personally have for yourself, uh, what are some new beliefs, behaviors, or habits uh, that you've picked up in the last five years that uh, have helped to continue to move you forward in your career? Wow, great question. Um, I will tell you that that uh, one of the significant changes that I have that literally changed the way that I look at, at life is really the whole concept of human and organizational performance. It's Todd Conklin's philosophy on on. It, it changes the way you think. 
And I think that it's incredibly important for people to adopt the learning concept. And most safety programs, and again, when you start to talk, going back to your original question about the compliance issue and where do we want to be? And, you know, again, we start as compliance and we end as a learning organization. And and there's steps, you know, that over the course of the last 40 years is that you got into behaviorism, you know, and behavior-based safety programs. And, you know, that's basically kind of one-sided. And But when you start to look at human and organizational performances, to me, that's substantive change away from a norm that everybody still thinks in. And that because when you start to look at that, this is not just occupational safety. If you look at human and organizational performance and you truly buy in to the the, the, the theory, if you will, or the philosophy, is is that it 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 crosses all lines. It's a total continuous improvement type of an environment because we have to be able to learn by accepting that people are going to have error. It doesn't matter what kind of an error, you know, I, mean, we, I look at it from an occupational standpoint, um, you know, a guy falls, a guy cuts himself, whatever happens, you know, there's something wrong with the system that we have to get in and dig into. But also, you also have to look at, at errors within a, in a process. And when you start to look at, you know, things like change orders, is, is it, you know, tr- we've had problems over the course of time with trying to really, how do we keep track of that? And how do we, you know, so there's a system error that needs to be corrected. And so having and allowing teams to examine processes, it doesn't matter what it is, really is an enlightenment for those people that are examining that process to be able to look at it and come up with solutions to reduce the opportunity for error. And, you know, we have what we, we created these these things called safety champions. And this was, um, again, a lot of companies do safety committees and they, you can put any kind of stamp on it you want. But the last thing that I wanted to do was to just have this standing committee that gets together, you know, every month and we sit down and we talk about nothing. And it gets stale, it gets old, and before you know it, nobody wants to do anything about it. Well, we changed that concept. Again, looking at things a little bit differently, which is really the way that Conklin kind of um, expresses his philosophy is, is that we decided that we were going to use these as improvement process uh, organizations or committees, if you will. And so each one of my safety professionals has created a group of safety champions within the operating group. So you would have a group of safety champions in, in civil, paving, um, industrial, and, and in building. And on the ADB side was that there would be a you know, in the east, west, or however they're all all differentiated now. And but on the Keeley side, because that's what I'm most familiar with, is, is that each as part of our strategic plan from the risk group is that each one of the safety professionals has to accomplish two process improvement projects a year utilizing the safety champions. I mean, one of the things that 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 Courtney has done is again when when you look at the challenges that we had, is she took this thing and ran with it, and she got her safety champions engaged about not telling them what we need to fix. It's having them tell us what their issues are. And one of the things was job safety analysis. And same thing was, you know, we're working on things like like uh, Chad Chad Agney's working on um, a specific civil um, uh, new employee orientation 
which, again, we've had them in the past, but now we've got the guys in the field that are telling us that, yeah, you said this, but this is really the reality of what we do. So that's helping us to really uh, become more and more uh, group specific, because what we do from an orientation standpoint in civil isn't the same thing that we do in an orientation process for building. The guys tell us what the issues are and we allow them to solve the problem, which is what human and organizational performance is all about. Um, but the accountability piece, I think, is with these guys, these these safety champions is just absolutely astounding to me and because they want to be there. And I think it's because we've given them, we've empowered them to be able to figure out what they need to fix. So it's kind of cool. Absolutely. Uh, for folks that want to learn a little more about uh, HOP, and I, I actually encourage you to, it is, as Ray mentioned, not limited to safety. It is limited to all systems and process improvement. Well, let's see here. I'm going to type it into my computer, hophub.org. He's, uh, I've been to a number of his seminars, um, and he's been to the captive meetings a couple of times. And I'm going to tell you what, the guy's just a guru on it. And, and you would never think it. He's actually quite humorous. He's got a real dry sense of humor. So yeah, hophub.org, if you want to pick up any of those resources. Uh, Ray, last question that I have for you, uh, my favorite question in the world, it's the God mode question. If we could put you in God mode in control of all the screens that we have in our lives, whether they're you know, the watch on our arms now, but the phones, the tablets, the TVs, the billboards, the digital signage and every uh, establishment that exists now, what is it that Ray Bame wants to put on the screen that he wants everyone in the world to know? I think that, that serving people is the, one of the noblest causes. Um, I think that people are incredibly important just because I believe that family is, is uh, the greatest thing in the world. There's nothing better. And I think that if anybody would remember the one thing that um, that I am totally dedicated to is very simply is just getting everybody home at the end of the day. There's nothing more important than that. And everything that, that I have strived to do, um, I would hope that that's reflective. And I hope that, um, people understand is, is that, that the job, the widget is, is not important. It's about getting yourself home and being a success along the way. I love it. Well, Ray, Thank you very much. I know we have been trying to schedule this one forever. This is super exciting to be able to talk to you. Thank you so much for sharing with everybody your passion and your career story. Anytime, doctor. I'll be more than happy to talk. I can talk to myself longer than I talk to you. So, Hey, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Under Construction Podcast. As a reminder, this is a place where we can talk about what does it mean to be a success in the journey that it takes to get there, which is different for everyone, as I'm sure you've heard. I encourage you to listen to this app. We'll be posting this podcast on a regular basis to all the major podcast apps, be it on your iOS or Android device, certainly on your computer. You can always find us at anchor.fm forward slash KeelyU or all of the major podcast apps and platforms. Thanks and have a great rest of the week.